Okay. Shalom, King of Kings. Wonderful. Let's grab our Bibles. We have so much to cover tonight. We've been worshiping the Lord in musical portions. We worship the Lord with the readings. And we are very excited to have all of you here with us tonight on this very special Chag. I know it's kind of a weird word if that's new to you. Say it with me. Chag. Pretty good. Not bad. When you put lots of them together, it becomes Chagim. Try that one. Very good. We're well versed in it. Welcome members. Welcome visitors from all over the world. Welcome everybody watching online. Listen, we have a great crowd online tonight. Let me just honor them for a minute. People from Brazil, Canada, they're always much quieter, Finland, France, Greece, India, Ireland, Kenya, Malaysia, Mexico, Netherlands, Nigeria, Norway, Philippines, got some Philippines down here, Poland, Romania, all right, Singapore, Slovakia, South Korea, Sweden, United Kingdom, United States. Okay, pretty good crowd from the United States tonight. Welcome, everybody, to King of Kings. It's going to be a fun night. Thailand as well. Thailand. Wow. Welcome, Thailand. And, and, and see, as you can tell, there's more in the house than just online. So what that means is we have over 30 countries represented tonight. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's a lot of prophetic scriptures coming forth on this holiday season. Now let me catch you up on a little bit of family drama tonight. We have a good full house tonight. I'm glad you all could get seats. But listen, um, we had a little family drama. There's a couple of people missing tonight. And so let me just tell you what happened. You want to know the story? Okay, so here's what happened. <clears throat> All week long during Sukkot, the King of Kings family, broadly, we get to host lots of different people and groups and events and things like that, and we're blessed to do so. We believe that that is part of the commission of living in Israel to welcome the nations. And so we get a chance to do that. So all week long, we had some great events. We had a dance musical. Actually, we had two nights of a dance musical right up here on stage. We had uh, the, the ICEJ prayer vigil here in the pavilion. We had the prayer for all nations up in the summit all day long on Friday. We had Shiloh bin Hod and his worship concert in the celebration center earlier in the week as well. So many things going on this week, but we had a little accident. At one point, right before the, the uh, dance musical, we found that there was a cord, a wire, that had fallen down above our screen. So everybody look up there. It's fixed, see? But it had fallen down, and one of our team members, I'm not going to mention them, but they were doing such a sweet thing. Right before the production started, they put the ladder together, a really tall extender ladder, and they went up there to fix it for everybody and the ladder collapsed. So they fell, obviously they fell, broke their ankle in several places. The person who was also holding the ladder broke the wrist and a cut on the head. So we've been in prayer, hospital, cast on the leg, everything. So our prayers, if, if you're watching tonight, I assume you're watching from home tonight, we're praying for you. I'm not saying who you are, but we're praying for you. Uh, then, earlier tonight, during our worship rehearsal, one of our band team members, um, one of the children 
was passing by one of the lights and cut their foot and had to go to the hospital. So there's actually a couple of other people missing tonight, both from the latter accident and the accident today. Our sermon tonight is how to be careful. That's, that's not our sermon. It's, I really like that so, much, so many of you know me that you knew that was a joke. And some of you visitors was like, well, that was a little insensitive. I don't know. We're praying for all of them. They're all doing okay. They're patched up. They're getting healed. Praise the Lord. But there is a lesson in that. And it was a lesson I was telling the serving team before service, and that is this. We've been serving at full speed, light speed, since the festival started with Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, opening Sukkot, and of course tonight is another Sabbath beginning with Shemini Atzeret, the eighth day commanded assembly, and Sabbath of Sukkot, and then tomorrow, and on uh, past tomorrow, we get into Simchat Torah. Our team is exhausted. They're tired. We're not only serving you as our local body, we're serving other people all abroad. I get to touch base with Tyro and, and Sam and Mikael and, and, and Veiko and people that have just been going out serving so much. What is the lesson? The lesson is this. Watch out when you're your most tired. That's when the enemy attacks. Be careful. He will attack you personally with temptation, through relationships and pride and frustration. That's when he's going to attack. So be careful this week. We've been, we've been joyful in the Lord, but be careful this week when you're the most tired. That's when he likes to attack. That's the, a little nugget. That was a bonus lesson. That wasn't even the main text tonight. But listen, it's, it's going to be a great night in the Word of God. A quick recap. We've been in a series for the holidays called The Source. The Source. We opened with James chapter 1. God is the source of all good things. Then we went into Genesis 1. God is the source of life and the source of light. Source of light and life. Hebrews chapter 5. God is the source of eternal salvation. It actually says it very clearly, the the source of eternal salvation, Hebrews 5. Then when we came into the holidays, it was Romans 15, the source of hope. You see, that's a wonderful word when you're talking about the Lord returning, the Feast of Trumpets, the, the coming of the Lord, the source of hope in a dark world. Then Isaiah chapter 9, Yeshua is the source of peace. This was last week. And of course, today we are now, just about now, going into Sabbath as the sun goes down we're in the holiday season. Say, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam shechianu v'kiyamanu v'higianu lazman hazeh. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sustained us, give us life, and brings us to this holiday season. It's always a blessing that we make it to one more round. Amen? Now today, officially about right now, as the sun goes down, we have entered the last and greatest day of the festival, right? Because it's a commanded seven-day festival with an eighth-day bonus Sabbath, okay? And so we're, we're either in that seventh part or that eighth part, depending on where you are looking at the sun right now. John chapter 7 reminds us that Yeshua connected with this feast. Listen to this. It says, on the last and greatest day of the festival of tabernacles, Yeshua stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, 
as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. That was a famous worldwide quote that was tweeted out to everybody when he said that. And it happened today. Today's the day where Yeshua said, I'm the source of living water. Right? It's this rivers of living water. Actually, that is the name of our nonprofit organization of King of Kings. Did you know that? In Hebrew, because the, the municipalities would not let us call our network of congregations, and this congregation particularly in the beginning, they would not let us call it King of Kings or Melech Hamlechim. They said it was too close to Yeshua. No, you can't do that. We said, okay, well, what about Yeshua who gives rivers of living water? What about that? They're like, yeah, sure, you can call it that. So okay. So that's the name of our nonprofit entity here in Israel. Isn't that interesting? It's a very important verse for us. Now listen. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. Nothing that God has created or that he anoints or that he's involved in operates in a state of chaos. 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Proverbs 28, 2, when a country is rebellious, it has many rulers, but a ruler with discernment and knowledge maintains order. So tonight what we're going to do, as you can see, and, and let me stop right here and just give some, some thanks and honor. I was telling you about the, um, about the dance musical this week that happened after last week's Sukkot service. That means we had to take the Sukkot down. So we had to put it back up. So that's a fresh one. We put it up again. But I wanted to thank specifically Sam, Pastor Sam, who's with us tonight, who he, he already had extra responsibilities because of the holidays. Then he had extra responsibilities because of the accident. He had to cover for the people that were hurt uh, in the accident. Also, Tyro, thank you for covering double duties as well, guys. But Sam was able to come back and reset up the, the sukkah. Can we tell Sam thank you tonight? And so one of the things that, that Sam and I had talked about doing was making sure we had the Torah scroll out tonight. So I don't know if you can see this because some of you, the pulpit's in the way, others of you, the keyboard's in the way, and some of you, I'm just in the way. But look, there's a Torah scroll up here and you say, well, why is it not rolled to the middle? Well, because it's the end of the Torah. Remember, we've been reading the scriptures all year long and now we're at the end and that's why it looks like it's all to one side. This is the time of year that when you visit a Torah, when you lift up the Torah, you can only pick your strongest guys. Think about it. Let it percolate. Because all of the weight is on one hand. And this is not where you can pick the, the guys who don't go to the gym. They don't get to lift the Torah this time of year. You really want to go for those guys with the membership because they can lift. But because it's Simchat Torah, over this next uh, day or two, we wanted to have the Torah scroll out because we're rejoicing that we get the Word of God, first of all, as a gift. Then we get to read it, and now we get to turn it over, start from the beginning, read it again. And in honor of Simchat Torah, I'm going to give you more verses tonight in our passages than I would normally give you in a sermon. 
but I'll run through them fairly quickly. So just be ready. You'd be like, man, you gave us a lot of verses tonight. Well, that was on purpose. I gave myself permission. God is a God of order. He maintains order from the worship to the leadership teams, to the tabernacle, the temple, the sacrifices, the holidays, the kosher foods, tithing, offerings, Israel marching in the right order, Israel camping in the right order, the material that they were allowed to use, the size of the articles, what they were covered in in the temple, and so much more. God is a God of order. He's very specific. He's very meticulous. He knows what he wants. Tonight, we're focusing on the source. God is the source of restoration. What is restoration? It basically means this. Something started off in good order, it moved into chaos, and it has been touched again and put back into order. That process is called restoration. And God is not satisfied with leaving us, his creation, his children, in a state of brokenness and sinfulness. He's not okay with that process, to leave us that way. As a matter of fact, Revelation 21 gives us a great picture. If you want to turn, Revelation 21, 3 through 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. You see, God has a plan to restore the earth, a plan to restore his creation. Acts chapter three gives us this insight. It says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Yeshua. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. You say, Acts is telling us an explanation of what the prophets were doing. The prophets were telling us about how God would restore things. He would first do it through the Messiah on a spiritual level, on his first coming, and then on his return, he would do it on a physical level. We call that the millennial reign. And if you want a connection with the restoration of God and the festival of Sukkot, we talked about it last week, that it's the seventh festival of the year on purpose because the number seven is the number that means completion and wholeness because that represents the final age, the age without sin, that new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. It represents that. That's why it's last in the order. The word for dwell with us in Revelation Greek, skene, is the same word used in the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Torah, when it talks about the Feast of Sukkot. It uses the exact same Greek word for the Feast of Tabernacles and the Greek of God will dwell with us, Revelation 21. That's not a coincidence. That was done on purpose because there's a connection with the restoration of all things and the festival of Sukkot. So where do we begin? Well, God created a great plan for his people, the people of Israel. This plan was rooted in a 
genuine relationship with Abraham and covenants came out of that relationship and it descended to all of his descendants, the Jewish people, all of the tribes. Our first key phrase tonight, God planned that the Jewish people would be a light to the nations, a blessing to the world, and an example of God's kingdom values on earth. You say, well, why are the Jews special? What did he choose them for? What were they chosen to do? They were chosen to be a light to the nations, blessing to the world, and an example of his kingdom values on this earth. Now, that's a, that's a great weight of responsibility. It's, it's a, I often say it's really a job description. That's, it's, a, it's a job description they were supposed to do more than it is a, oh, you're so great, you're so special, let me give you this covenant. It's I need you to do these things. I'm giving you this job description as a covenant people. However, Israel violated the agreement with God and their people were thrown into chaos. They had order. You know, in the desert, they had order. They were free. They had their own law now. They had their own Religious practices, they had their own center of worship, they had their own food, they had their own holidays, they had their own calendar. Everything was in order. Every tribe knew where to, to put their tents. Everybody knew where to march. Very orderly. But over the generations of disobedience, chaos, because of sin, came into the camp of Israel. This chaos included wars, diseases, and finally exile from their own land multiple times. And God would not leave the Jewish people in a state of chaos. He would not leave them scattered. He would not leave them in a broken state, just like he doesn't want to leave you in a broken state. Because he's a God of restoration. He's the source of all things restored. Let me give you a couple of verses just to underscore this that the first thing God wants to restore in this lesson is he wants to restore his people. Deuteronomy 30 says, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Job chapter eight, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on behalf, on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Jeremiah 30, this is what the Lord says, I will restore the fortunes of Jacob's tents and have compassion on his dwellings. The city will be rebuilt on her ruins and the palace will stand in its proper place. Lamentations 5, restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return, renew our days as of old. That's the last verse of the Eitz Chaim prayer. Those of you that know the traditional prayers and songs. So he restores his people but he doesn't stop there. It wasn't just the Jewish nation that had fallen out of God's plan, but a sacred covenant land itself that was no longer being used for its intended purposes. Now, even though Israel violated the covenant and they chose to walk away from the plan of God, doesn't mean that God ever violated his covenant and he never walked away from his plan for the Jewish people. But the same is true of the land of Israel physically. Do you know sin has an impact on your land? It has a physical impact on the land. Notice we don't live in the Garden of Eden anymore. 
Notice that Adam had to start working around the thorns. There were no thorns before sin. There was no sweat. That was a cool time. Some of you caught that. The ground changed. We were supposed to get fruit from the trees once a month. Did you know that? Look it up in Revelation. It says when he restores all things, the fruit trees will produce every month from their crop. You talk about needing to feed a growing population. It's not hard when every fruit tree and vine and bush is producing at its full capacity every month. Not once a year, every month. The animals changed. There was no predator and prey before sin. And God wanted to restore not only the people, but he wanted to restore the land. And when Israel sinned and they were moved into a state of chaos, do you know the land of Israel was in trouble? Not just the people. And God wanted to restore the land of Israel. The land itself was supposed to be a physical example of God's order, his favor, and his blessing on earth. From the abundant crops to the prosperous animals and the fertile soil, the Sabbath days of rest, the Sabbath year crops, which was a miracle, the jubilee double year crops, which is a double miracle, the rain, the seasons. The nations were supposed to look at Israel and say, why does their land do that? They keep taking days off. They don't do anything during the Chagim. I need an amen from an Israeli on that one. <laughs> then they take a year off. And then every 50 years, they take two years off. Who are these crazy people? And why does their land do that? Because it was a sign. It was a physical sign to the world of God's blessing and his covenant. But they lost that in the chaos of sin. They were exiled. They didn't even get to participate in that. But listen to what God says in his source of restoration, Isaiah 49. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritance. God is saying, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to restore the land. And it had lost its assignment. I'm going to reassign it. I'm going to tell the land, hey, do what you were created to do. And of course, you know the creation bows before the creator. You ever heard of thunder and lightning and peel and smoke and fire and all that stuff, earthquakes, that's, that's just the creation going, oh, the creator's here. And they bow. And he says to the land of Israel, hey, when Israel repents and I bring them back, land of Israel, you will be reassigned back to your covenant purpose. God restores the land. Jeremiah 30, verse three, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will bring my people Israel and Judah back from captivity and I will restore them to the land I gave their ancestors to possess, says the Lord. Joel 3, 1, in those days and at that time when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. You should be catching some of these words. Even if English may not be your first language, you should catch the pattern. I will restore. I will revive. I will reassign the words of restoration saying, I will make it happen again the way it was designed to be in the first place. 
God restores his people. God restores his land. And God had commanded an orderly and meaningful worship in the tabernacle, and later that turned into the temple. You know, the history of the tabernacle was, that was God's commandment, and Moses saw into the heavenly places when he was on the mountain. He saw the actual temple in heaven. And then he knew how to build the tabernacle down on earth. And God gave him all the specifics, and it worked. The Shekhinah, the glory of God, was there in the Holy of Holies. And after the desert time, they brought it into the land, and then King David had it in his heart to give God a permanent home. God never asked for that. But David wanted that for God, and God relented and said, okay, you can build it for me, but you're a man of war. There's too much blood on your hands. Let Solomon build it, your son. So Solomon built the temple, and that temple was destroyed. The people were sent to exile. They lost the temple. They lost their land. They, they, were, they were losing all that was supposed to be their inheritance. They were losing it. And they repented, and they came back to the Lord. They came back to the land, and they rebuilt the temple, the second temple. Later in the New Covenant, we know that Herod had made improvements and expansions to that second temple. But the question may arise, if God restores his people and God restores the land, will God restore the temple? Let's look at a few passages tonight and you can determine for yourself. The first passage is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, first four verses. It says, concerning the coming of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Now listen, context, 2 Corinthians is written a long time after Yeshua has come, died, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. That's all past. Then Corinthians is written. So we're not talking about the Lord coming the first time. We're talking about the Lord returning the second time. Concerning the coming of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teachings allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So some of us may say, well, what about Matthew 24? Matthew 24 mentions the temple also, and yet at that time, the temple of Yeshua's day was still standing. So you have to discern what you think is happening here. But let's look at Revelation 11. One and two, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and its worshipers, but exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. Now, in parts of Revelation, we're, we're talking about the temple. We're talking about the heavenly temple. But the heavenly temple will never have the Gentiles trampling on it. So you have to discern where do you think that temple is exactly? That sounds like to me, if Gentiles are trampling on something, that sounds like it's still here on a sinful earth, doesn't it? So you can make up your mind for yourself. Well, whether, what's the point? The point is whether or not 
you believe that another temple is about to be built on earth, or whether you think that all of these prophecies had to do with the temples that came before, the point is that even when Israel's temple was destroyed, God restored it. Temple one after the tabernacle, temple two after the exile. God is always in a state of processing restoration. And some of you have areas of your life where this is the word you needed to hear today. A relationship is in jeopardy. A marriage is in jeopardy. Maybe a parent and a child relationship is in jeopardy. Maybe your job, your finances, your home. Maybe your physical sickness, your health is in jeopardy. Something needs to be restored. Maybe it's your faith level. Something needs to be restored, and God's trying to restore it tonight because this is the day of restoration. Today's the day. Today's the festival day of restoration where we look forward to the age where all things are going to be restored. We continue in Amos 9 about the temple. In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins, and I will rebuild it as it used to be. Acts 15, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it. The process of restoring the temple. Along with the temple, we have to ask ourselves, well, will there be a priesthood? Well, the scripture seems to indicate that in order to function in the temple properly, there has to be a proper priesthood. Never again will we make sacrifice for sin, right? We all understand that. Now, whether or not 10 minutes down the road they're going to rebuild that temple, one day or, or maybe they do or they don't or they have the articles or they don't, when and if they do, Go worship there. Go, go. It'll be fun. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go worship. I might even bring an offering. But I'm not ever again going to sacrifice an animal for sin. Because any sacrifice from this point forward will be inferior to the perfect sacrifice of Yeshua, our Lamb. So the temple may or may not be rebuilt, depending on your theology here. The priesthood, listen to what it says about the priesthood. Isaiah 1, 26, I will restore your leaders as in the days of old, your rulers as at the beginning, and afterward you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. That'll be interesting to see if and when that happens here in Israel. It'll be interesting to see if Yeshua returns and he rules from Jerusalem the way it says, and does he rule from a temple? If so, is the priesthood in action? If so, is the city righteous again under Yeshua's rulership? Is it called the city of righteousness? Right now, I don't think we can call ourselves a city of righteousness. Not when we have one of the highest per capita abortion rates in the world. We're, we're not there yet. Revival is still yet to come in Israel. But friends, even beyond all of the physical restorations of the nation, his people, the covenant land, the temple itself, or the priesthood, God's most important restoration 
is in the relationship with individuals. It's the most important thing that he died for. Psalm 80, restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Isaiah 61, 7, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Isn't that amazing? That you can really understand God's heart is to restore mankind above restoring all things. Key phrase tonight, number two. We like to give you these key phrases because they're easy to remember and they're easy to find on our social media. You can go back and remember them. The goal of all of the covenants, the promises, the symbolism, the holidays, the prophetic words were so that the people would realize their need for God and desire a personal relationship with him. That's what all of this is about, the, the sukkah and the, the Torah scrolls, and we're going to wave the lulav and the etrog and maybe the kippah and the tzitzit and the, the tefillin that they wear and the prayer books and the holidays and the, the sacrifices and the temple, the outer court, inner court, holy of holies, the ark, the basin, we can go on and on if you want to about all of the symbolism and what it means, but all of it is pointing at one thing. It's saying, look to him. He is the one. God alone will save. He looked on the earth and there was no one worthy, so he did the job himself. All to make sure that we could have a personal relationship with him. That is what was motivating all of the symbolism, the covenants, the promises, the signs, the prophets. Now today, you might remember that Sukkot is known for many things. It's known for special blessings, a week of celebration, two different Sabbath days. Simchat Torah is now connected to it because we finished the readings and you wave things and you, you're supposed to have joy. Actually, in the commandment of Sukkot, four times it says you must rejoice. Not an option. You don't get a choice today. This is the day when I can tell my kids, no, no. I'm not having it today. No bad attitudes allowed. It's a day of joy. All I want to see is smiles. Come on, King of Kings, show me the teeth. Just smiles today. That's all I want. Everyone be happy. Enjoy the Lord. You know how you enjoy the Lord the most? You get the right perspective. That's how you enjoy the Lord the most. You worship from the depth of your soul and your being and your spirit because you have the right perspective. And joy will come. And God has established this day as a commanded day of joy. It's a little different than Yom Kippur and Yom Teruah when we're supposed to fast and pray and repent and be sorrowful for our sins. And God wants to juxtapose, he wants to compare the two holiday seasons. One, be very introspective, be somber about what you've done. And now that you've been forgiven, rejoice. That's, that's the prophetic timeline, right? The Lord comes back with the great trumpet blast and then he reigns with us for a thousand years to restore the earth to all things. Then. The heaven and earth pass away. We have the great white throne judgment of Yom Kippur. 
And now atonement has been made for us. The next age comes with a new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, new heavenly bodies. And now we have the age of Sukkot. Now you're commanded to rejoice because he's made all things new. You have to see the prophetic connection. It's not just a sukkah. That's just the small part of it. It's that God will dwell with mankind again in the new age to come. But joy is to be restored to us. Jeremiah 33, the sounds of joy and gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, give thanks to the Lord God Almighty, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. And I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, says the Lord. And our final verse tonight, Psalm 51, verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's summarize. God is the source of restoration. The reason he is eligible, the reason he can be the source of restoration and the restoration of all things is because he's the source of the originally created perfect order. The one who made the world, the land, the people of Israel, our relationship with him, he made them all good. He's the same one that has the power to restore us to his created purpose. The God of order, therefore, alone is the one who is the source of restoration to restore order to our lives. And here's the challenge, the application tonight. Do you see the big picture, friends? It's so much bigger than just what we see today in front of us and all the challenges and hardships. We're gonna go through a season of great challenge. The earth is already crying out, the land, the people, the souls, the governments, our bodies, everything's crying out, it's chaos. We need the God of order to come back, to restore all things in our life. It's okay if we have something out of order in our life because we know the one to go to. And I'm challenging you tonight, even as we're inviting our prayer team to come up to the right and to the left. If you need prayer tonight, come spend a few minutes with the prayer team. Maybe even go up to the summit and have an afterglow session where you just sit and wait on the Lord and let the word of God wash over you and worship a little bit longer on this holiday. What better thing can you have to do tonight? What better thing is there to do than to spend a little extra time in the presence of the Lord? Where do you need God to restore your life? Where do you need God to bring you joy today? I'm not saying that our hardships aren't real. They certainly are. And everyone in this room has them. So it's okay to say to God, tonight I need you to restore this area of my life. I need you to bring me joy in this area of my life. Hallelujah. Let me read you a traditional blessing for the holidays and then I'll invite Ula is gonna come up in just a second as well. You know, six times in the scriptures, we're commanded to remember an event. We're not talking about a holiday. We, we remember all of the holidays. We remember the Sabbath. We remember all the commandments. But 
this is six times in the scripture where the Lord says, remember the thing that just happened as an event. And those are called the six remembrances. And we recite them in our weekly prayers. One of them is, remember when I took you out of Egypt and I set you free. One of them is, remember when the Amalekites attacked you and I saved you. Another one is, remember the golden calf incident. Don't do that again. One of them is, remember when Miriam rebelled against Moses and how I had to correct her. And of course, Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So there's remembrance commandments. But the one I left out was this one pertaining to the law of God. Only beware and guard yourself carefully, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest you stray from your heart all the days of your life. And you are to make sure to make them known to your children and to your children's children the day that you stood before the Lord your God on Mount Sinai and he gave you his word. The day we got the word of God is a commanded day to remember. And that's what we get to do as we encounter Simchat Torah. Ula, can you come help me? Thank you. We're lighting the candles because it's a Shabbat. You say, yes, but it's Sunday night in Israel. Yes, but it's a commanded Sabbath, the eighth day assembly, the Shemniat Seret. It's a commanded Sabbath day. It's an extra day of rest. Go ahead, Ula. We say a blessing to honor Yeshua in this. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kitshanu bidvaro v'natan lano et Yeshua mishichenu v'tzivano lihiyot or leolam. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has saved us by your word and by your grace, who has given us life, who has commanded us to be a light to the world. That's what he commanded us to do, right? And then if you have your, your lulav and etrog, please stand. I'm going to have everybody stand. I'm going to grab my lulav and etrog as well. This is where we get to do activity. God always likes memorable activity. It helps you to not forget things. So if you have the lulav or the etrog, if you don't have it, it's okay, grab your Bible. If you don't have your Bible, grab your iPhone that has a Bible on it. And if all you have is your iPhone watch, just go ahead with that. That's fine. That's, use that. That's good. So here's what we do. We prophetically point to the six directions and we proclaim God's kingdom rule over this world because you know that's where we're headed, right? So let's say to the Lord, yes, that's what we want also. Tonight, we're gonna say, restore our lives, our people, and our land, right? Restore our lives, our people, and our land. And we're gonna do it 
together in unity. So we're gonna face the north. And I did double check on this. Thank you, Ula and Joanna, for checking on the compass, which way was north. It's actually that way. So point this direction, friends. We're gonna say together, restore our lives, our people, and our land as we wave. Ready? Restore our lives, our people, and our land. Turn to the south. That's this way. Restore our lives, our people, and our land. Turn to the east. Restore our lives, our people, and our land. Turn to the west. Restore our lives, our people, and our land. And Shemaima to the heavens. Restore our lives, our people, and our land. Sheola to the ground. Restore our lives, our people, and our land. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So our team's going to come back out to have some time of worship while you meditate on these words. Our prayer team is up and ready to receive you for prayer. Pastor Mike will come and close in just a few minutes. Remember, we have the afterglow upstairs from 7 to 8 o'clock. But you have one more thing to do before your responsibilities are over. And that is we're going to give a shout of rejoicing. On the count of three, can we all shout? Really, give me a good one now. Okay, give me a Brazilian-type shout. I don't want the Canadian kind. I want the Brazilian count. Hallelujah on the, on the number three. One, two, three. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord.